This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night on this Tuesday. Shout out to you for joining us. Curtis Rogers, and she's got a mango water. It's Stacey <laughs> Rost, Seahawks insider, mango water drinker. In the flesh. Stacey, told, how you doing? I told Curtis before, like right before the show started, I got a mango water. It's really good. Yeah. And then music kicks I'm in. I'm just like, I, I don't know what to do with know, this. Uh, but, all, uh, right. all right. We're well, on the air. There it is uh, now. There it is. Now that we've got that behind us. Stacey, good good evening to you. Good eve. Good good morrow. Good eve. Good morrow, my friend. Uh, good eve, my liege. All right. Yeah. Jay Keeps, he filled out on Brock and Salk this morning, uh, you know, as he's prone to do, just leave us in the dust. It's fine. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, we'll just do the night show yeah, like we'll we're scheduled job. to do, yeah, okay. and uh, have a blast doing it, because we're fun people. It's funny totally roasting Jake for this, because I was sick yesterday, <laughs> That's and Jake right. texted me, he's like, hey, me and you tonight? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bit of a cough. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to text you several hours ago. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but we're here with you. Coors Light text line, it's always there for you, 710-710, if you've got something to get off your chest. That's where you want to go. Uh, but we got a lot in store for you tonight, our week two takeaways. Stacy, our Seahawks insider, she's been chomping at the bit, ready to go, to get all of these out for you, tell, your, uh, tell you what she saw from week two and what that means for week three going forward of the preseason. And also, big if true tonight, former NFL GM, not sold on Jimmy Garoppolo and, and the road he's got out in front of him. We'll get into that coming up uh, in about a half hour from now. But as we do each and every Seattle Sports Tonight, we started off with what is on the timeline. And today, the big story, DK Metcalf, Seahawks second-round pick, set to undergo a procedure on his knee with the hope that he'll return to the team by week one of the regular season. That procedure was scheduled for today. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen anything on it yet. No, presumably it was earlier this morning. Obviously, we don't know for sure. But um, Pete Carroll didn't sound especially concerned. He didn't give a timeline. So I was getting some tweets asking, you know, whether he'd make a a week one start or what that would look like. Pete Carroll didn't say. um, And part of that is the procedure itself is a scope. So they might find something else. But he seemed pretty confident that what the team had seen on the MRI was minor enough that DK Metcalf had a chance to come back by week one. Um, He didn't make any promises, but he said there's optimism there. I think it's great that he's got a chance to come back for week one because of how needy this Seahawks wide receiver room is right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got, you know, obviously no Doug Baldwin. Tyler Lockett, really the only guy that has proven at the professional level uh, to have a, a consistent output. And last year he had a breakout season. He's really your only sure thing in that group. Maybe Jerron Brown, too, but... Right now, I think the Seahawks, they, they just need bodies in that wide receiver room. And to have the biggest one of them all uh, back by week one, that is going to be most beneficial for the Seahawks. Some other football news in town. Tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m., we will find out the team name and colors of the XFL Seattle franchise. This makes it a lot more real because we've been banding, ba- bantering about with you know XFL Seattle and NHL Seattle without any name or colors mm-hmm. for either franchise now to talk it's about. legit yeah now it, it's it's real and it's when I'm, people stop being friends yeah no. and start being real real stop being nice yeah it's the real world 
XFL. Seven, oh, I wish. Eight, eight teams picked Ooh, to, to live in a house together, yeah, to work together, and have their lives taped to find out what happens. How is XFL different play. from the real world? There isn't a difference. No, there isn't. Seven, and, ten, seven, ten. Coors Light. Yeah, Destroy. and it's like in cities that have had real world. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's a LA. Seattle needs another one. I think. Did you know the they new had, real world? They is? had a real world here a couple of years ago. They did. Yeah, but it, is it, it was not was good. only on Facebook. No, no, no. It was on TV. <gasps> it was <gasps> no. The, I remember yeah. it. I didn't think it was that bad. It was really bad. Okay. I didn't like that. Season. Well, that's okay. Uh, but yeah, XFL Seattle team name and colors. Nine thirty a.m. Uh, so you can find that out on their XFL website. I think they're going to stream it on like Facebook Live. Yes, and, and our own Jessamine McIntyre, executive be there. producer, will be there, and she, I think, is going to uh, write up something afterwards for 710sports.com, so she'll have quotes and pictures and all of that stuff, so we'll have you covered for that. Absolutely. I'm hyped for it. Uh, also hyped for the newest Mariner call-up. I mean, Jake Heaps has been on this guy since, like, the very beginning. I don't know what it is. Probably because they share a first name. I think it's a Jake kind of pairing. Yeah. It's Jake support other Jakes. But uh, the Mariners have officially called up outfielder Jake Fraley, who they acquired this last offseason in the Malik Smith-Mike Zanino trade. Fraley, the eighth number eight prospect in Seattle system. And today... Sort of fortuitous. He was named the Mariners' 2019 Minor League Player of the Year by Baseball America. Another young prospect, somebody like J.P. Crawford and Shed Long, who are making their Mariners' debuts this season that they acquired this last offseason. I'm excited for him. This is a guy that can hit. He can field. He can run. You know, he's a, he's a guy that has a, a great potential, and he's had a tremendous year this season in the minor leagues. He's played at three different levels. He's 24 years old, so it, it's not like he's a, an old prospect by any sort of the by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And uh, I think he's going to be somebody that this Mariners organization is going to have high hopes for, not just at the end of this season, which I think it's great that he's getting just a little bit of, of playing time at the major league level to finish out. 2019, but I think 2020 and 2021, they're going to be expecting a lot from this lefty. That's what I'm saying. It's a good time for him to come up because you have, what, a month, a little over a month left of... And there's nothing to lose right Exactly. Now. That's the thing. I think it's something that when we've talked over and over and over again about what to watch, a lot of times that conversation is just who to watch, as in some of those young players that are going to be part of the building blocks for this future of this clubhouse. And this is certainly a guy that now fans uh, who don't normally watch watch a lot of the minor league games for Seattle can finally watch him in the majors and it's just kind of adding to that conversation of all right well if I'm not watching to see them contend for a playoff race then then what am I looking for Mm -hmm. and maybe you're watching for some of those spaces that are going to be part of this team in the future so this is a good one yeah and I mean dipping into that Mariners farm system that has improved leaps and bounds just within the last calendar year they went from clearly the worst in Major League Baseball to now a a lot of people have them between about 10 and 15 Mm -hmm. in Major League Baseball in terms of overall rank Rankings. Which is a huge jump. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, that is that is night and day difference from where it was a year ago. And Fraley, certainly chief among the guys why it has been ranked so so much higher now than it was in years past. Uh, college football news. Actual college football this weekend. You've Isn't got, that weird? I know. I was thinking about that on my way home because there's so many things that I wanted to do in the summer, like paddle boarding and... And summer's gone. That's probably it. I really like eating outside. 
in the summertime, like With going those misters. to yeah, that yeah, was the best. And I really wanted to do those things. And then I, uh, Jake and Brock this morning, we're talking about the QB battle um, at UW. A great conversation. Seven Ten Sports.com. If you want to tune into that podcast, um, I was driving in and I was listening to it, and I just kept thinking, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, Huskies kick off in eleven days from now on August 31st. They play Eastern. Uh, but the first AP poll of the season released yesterday, Pac-12 with five teams ranked in the initial poll. Oregon, the highest-ranked Pac-12 team at number 11. Huskies at 13. Utah at 14. Wazoo at 23. Stanford at 25. Uh, Miami against Florida this Saturday is going to be the first college football game of the season. In the nightcap, your boys Wildcats take on It gives on me a chance to wear a Miami shirt that I recently got from Goodwill for no reason. A Mi- like a Miami Hurricane shirt or just like no, a Miami tourism? Shirt. Oh, tourism? really? Welcome to Miami. Yeah. Like, no, I went. I really like their school colors. I have no green, like allegiance to this school whatsoever, but I was getting some used books and thought, whoa, 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 what's this here? What do we got here? Purchased it. Now I have a chance to wear it. Uh, pretend that I'm a fan. You know, watch Throw some college football, bring yeah. it in. I'm actually surprised Utah isn't a bit higher on this list, but I wouldn't be people, surprised if they're kind of leading the pack by the end of it. Yeah, a lot of people have Utah as the preseason conference yeah. favorite in the Pac-12. Yeah. Should be a fun season up ahead. Uh, somebody who's not having fun right now, we'll get into this at Big If True, but Jimmy Garoppolo, last night for the 49ers, one of six with an interception in the 49ers' second preseason game. You couple that with Kyler Murray's lackluster performance in game number two, you wonder, like, what the state of quarterbacking in the NFC West we all thought was in good hands before the preseason, but right now... Maybe some question marks developing in the 49ers and Cardinals uh, quarterback rooms. We'll get into that coming up at 7.30. One ESPN analyst not sold on what Jimmy Garoppolo has to offer. And then uh, to round out tonight's timeline, Stacey, this is the most glad we're talking about important thing in my life right now. Yeah. The chicken sandwich wars okay. between Popeye's, Chick-fil-A, Wendy's, and Burger King. Mm-hmm. It, it all started Chick Fil A minding their own business, having the monopoly I'm for on the that Ken market. Ken Burns documentary on yeah. this specific war, <laughs> the eight part uh, documentary chicken, on this chicken sandwich wars. Yeah, where'd you get that purple heart? I served in the chicken sandwich war. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, Chick Fil A doing their thing with the chick, chicken sandwiches they've done for years and years and years, which is fine. No one's. I mean, it's delicious. We, we didn't realize. How we really felt about it until... Until Popeye's, the new kid on the block, just within the last week, has changed the entire spectrum of chicken sandwich in the fast food world. I haven't tried it yet. The closest one to our studio is in White Center. So I told uh, Brent Stecker, the editor for 710 Sports, that on Thursday or Friday, he told me to do it Thursday because he's not in the office on Friday. So Mm -hmm. on Thursday, I'm going to go get a bunch of the sandwiches and bring them back and we're all going to have some taste tests at 710 because... Jessamine hadn't had it. I hadn't. Brent didn't. You did, and you had it twice. I did. That's how you good it your was. Toe. You dipped yeah. your whole foot. Yeah, I cannonballed into it, man. It is so <laughs> you good. You leaned in to the and chicken sandwich I've, battle. Yeah, and I've been firmly on like Team Chick-fil-A over the years, but man, Popeye's is uh, forcing me to I was reading a review in, I kid you not, The New Yorker about it, and it was beautiful. My mouth was watering, so I stopped reading it. That's how you know it's like high class if the if the New Yorker's writing it. Oh, it was very yeah. yeah. It was it was in depth. Coming up, uh, we're gonna get in depth on our week two takeaways. We've got Seahawks insider Stacy Rost here. She's got a whole well highlighted notebook full of notes. Uh, oh, I wish I could take a picture. Yeah.
and upload it. Yeah. So. I mean, well, it's radio, so you can't see it, unfortunately. Yeah, but trust trust me on this. It's well highlighted. We'll get into our week two takeaways. Uh, also, text in your questions for Ask Us Anything that's coming up at the end of this hour. Still lots to get to here on Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Listen to our show via the 710 Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacy Rost here on Seattle Sports Tonight, 710 ESPN Seattle. Shout out to you for joining us. And week two in the books for now every team. I think the 49ers-Broncos game last night was the final week two game of mm-hmm. preseason. Now the focus shifts to this Saturday night as the Seahawks travel to L.A. to take on the Chargers in week three. But we got to look back at week two because there's still a lot of ripple effect from what we saw out there in week two Uh that could have a huge impact on what we see in week three. Stacy, you watched the game ever so sharply, as you I did. always do. I took lots of notes. Let's start with let's actually start with uh news that was relevant today, which is that DK Metcalf injury. So let's start kind of backwards. We'll go with Pete Carroll's uh wrap up of the injuries from the game just so that we know what to keep an eye on. And all of you guys know what to watch for for Saturdays, the twenty fourth of Saturday. It is for Saturday's game against the Chargers. So obviously uh the kind of top injury is DK Metcalf. Metcalf wasn't injured during the game. He was held out with what general manager John Schneider called a sore knee Carol later revealed that that was an existing knee injury Metcalf has had uh, before and kind of either aggravated it or they decided to take a look on an MRI and saw something they wanted to clean up. Here's uh, Pete following the game talking about DK Metcalf. DK's got a uh, he's got an injury to his knee that we found after a couple of days. It happened a few days back, and uh, so there's something we're going to do some work on it probably Tuesday um, and get him back in a hurry. So um, we're disappointed for him because he was off to a fantastic start, but I don't think this is going to derail him for long. But he does have to have some some work done, and and uh, we'll know more about that when we get back uh, back into town. So also bad news, and again, Pete. Carol didn't sound like too overly concerned about Metcalf. I think that they're going to wait and see uh, what they find on the MRI, if there's anything else there. But he sounded kind of optimistic that it's going to be fine, but uh, or that it's at least routine. More not great news for specifically their 2019 draft class. Not even specifically their 2019 draft class, but their top three picks from the class. LJ Collier with an ankle sprain out of the game. DK Metcalf obviously sidelined for presumably at least a week uh, after this procedure. Well, I think it's like every pick in the 2019 class has, has dealt been with at something. Some point. You've got... Uh, Marquise Blair, he missed some time. John Ursula. Ugo Amani might yeah. be the only one. I think so. Phil Haynes missed time. Ben, ben yeah. Burkerv and Cody Barton. Phil Haynes might still be on the preseason pup list. Yeah. Travis so, Homer had a quad injury, so they've just been every single one kind of, of bad news bears with that draft class. Marquise Blair was carted off the field during Sunday's game. Pete Carroll later said he was having back spasms, so unsure about what that means, but um, I would still think someone that they're expecting to play in the rest of the preseason. Um, I think the worst case scenario would be that it was a stinger or something. So back spasms, not great, but I mean, that's something that other guys have dealt with. Nick Vanette dealt with those for a while, just an ongoing lingering back injury. So 
Um, you had a back injury today yourself. I did. I was reaching to the ground to get something. <laughs> <laughs> so comparing all these injuries. You turn 30 once and then your body's like, yeah, I'm going to tap out. Done. You know what? Done. I'm good. Let's get to uh, some of the positives from this game. So for 710 Sports, um, I wrote up just the good and the bad. The good, and I know before I say this, there wasn't an offensive touchdown in this game. I know. But Russell Wilson and the first team offense did look pretty smooth out there, at least between the 20s. Um, they didn't get into the end zone. I think you can blame uh, two drives being stalled, the only two drives they were out there for, on uh, holding penalties for both Britt and Effetti. Britt took accountability for that after the game. Um, another play that was that was good for a secondary facing a lot of question marks, a lot of inexperience, is Deshaun Shedd, who had his second defensive score in two games. And that was his 88-yard interception pass from Vike quarterback Sean Mannion. Um, again, I think it's just great news for a team that... And I know, again, this is something where I think he would come out and say he didn't have a perfect game. But when you're looking for some kind of stability and some kind of regular production from this defense, at least you're getting it at all right now. From, you know, Bradley McDougald isn't being out there regularly. I expect him to have a, a, a great season. I mean, to pick up where he left off, but... With Deshaun Shedd coming back in here, I think the best case scenario is exactly what's happened, which is, you know, he comes back in and adds a veteran presence and makes a difference. Yeah, I don't think there was any, I don't know of anybody who saw the acquisition of Deshaun Shedd and said, really, why bring this guy back? And because, right. I mean, I would love it if he made the 53-man roster coming out of training camp here and he showed, you know, nose for the end zone mm-hmm. and being in the right spot at the right time when the situation comes up. And I mean... For a secondary that is as inexperienced as the Seahawks have, to have somebody like him who's been around the game for, I mean, he's coming up on close to 10 years in the league. He's entering his eighth season. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like this is anything new to him. And And continues to play pretty late into games. Played the most defensive snaps of any player. And has a tremendous amount of versatility. Can play cornerback and can play safety. Uh, you look at Bradley McDougald, another guy who can play multiple spots mm-hmm. in that defense. Trey Flowers, he played safety in college, playing cornerback now. I mean, to have a veteran presence like him, we saw in the early days of the Legion of Boom where like Marcus Trufant and Lawyer Malloy, mm-hmm. they were those guys who had been in the league for a decade plus. And the young guys, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor, routinely pointed to the examples that those guys had shown. Yeah. Uh, and they were able to follow, you know, and to, to learn so much from. I think Deshaun Shedd could have a role like that on this roster and also contribute on the field, not just contribute in the locker room with those young players, those unproven guys, but also, you know, come up with an interception here or there. Mm-hmm. And two more. Uh, standout players for this game and I think at two of your biggest areas of need. So this is good news. First on the defensive line would be defensive tackle Puna Ford. uh, Had plenty of penetration, was really disruptive. Looked like what would have been a forced fumble. It was eventually ruled a Minnesota ball. I think they ruled forward progress had stopped and and then that play was null. But ultimately showed exactly what you want to see. And from a second-year player, a young second-year player, this was his first preseason game. He was also held out with the rest of Seattle starters last week. That was great news. And someone else in your secondary that I think has been surprising a lot of folks has been Ugo Amadi. All eyes were kind of on Marquise Blair. Um, Obviously, DK Metcalf, uh, LJ Collier kind of 
you know, unfortunately is out of this conversation right now while he recovers from that ankle injury, doesn't have a chance to make a big impact. But Ugo Amadi has surprised a lot of people. Brock Heward on uh, Brock and Salk in the morning talked about him being kind of the surprise of last week's game. In this week's game, was not only all over the place again, uh, he did, I think, a punt return at the near end of the game, but had a pretty impressive textbook special teams tackle. Mile in the air. Wow. And being hammered down on the return was Johnson, a 53-yard punt, no return. Ugo Amadi. Yeah. Hammered him. You can hear Wyman's reaction as it happens. Wow. I know. Like, that's so... How... <laughs> I mean, if you're watching the video of it, too, if you go to, like, Seahawks.com and look at their plays, they have the entire sideline just erupts. I mean, that's exactly what they want to see, right? That Pete Carroll called it a perfect play. And it was a perfect tackle from him, too, mm-hmm. because so often we see plays like that happen and somebody gets whistled for unnecessary yeah. roughness because they go high. Yep. Amadi went low, perfect kept his shoulder low, yep. got his head right into his stomach. Launched without leading with his helmet. It it was the perfect tackle. It was. It was it was a great showing from him and his second consecutive great showing. I think he might be one of those players that with what was it, 11 drafted rookies in this year's class, he kind of got overlooked, not not through any fault of his own, but it, there was just a lot of guys, and there were guys like DK Metcalf that were stealing a lot of that spotlight, deservedly so. But a guy like Ugo Amadi, I think, has kind of continued to impress, and it's an area where you really need help. It remains to be seen what kind of role he's going to have, um, but he also, like McDougald, like a lot of these guys that we've talked about, is kind of a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. He can play nickel, he can do corner, he can play safety. So this is certainly a guy that's... Um, kind of carving out a spot for himself. I think he has done exactly what you need to do to make a spot for yourself on this roster. Who had the most impressive week two to you? Text that into the Coors Line text line, 710-710. But when we return here on Seattle Sports at Night, another NFC West quarterback putting forth a clunker performance in the preseason. So are we sold on what Jimmy Garoppolo can do for the 49ers? We talk that next in Big If True right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get your texts into the Coors Light text line 710-710. We need those questions for Ask Us Anything to wrap up the night here on Seattle Sports Tonight. That's coming up in about 20 minutes from now. Uh, you can download the Seattle Sports Tonight podcast, 710sports.com. Click on On Demand. We're there for you every hour of every show. Also there at your fingertips. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Rost here. Stacy, I don't know if you've been paying attention or not. Which actually, Probably not. Yeah. but uh, <laughs> I was pretty sick yesterday. Yeah. You were down for the count. I was out. Yeah. And you texted me, see so, you know, I could come in. I was like, it's my day off. And I was like, like cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to go eat saltine crackers and have yeah. your juice and I didn't go back eat, to bed. I didn't eat until like 6 p.m. Ooh. And then, you know, when one of those days when you're like, I have no appetite in the evening. And once you get your appetite, you're like, Uber Eats, I'm ordering everything. Yeah. That's how I did. I did Uber <laughs> Eats and I was like, money is no object. Like, <laughs> even though we're just, even though we're the tail end of, like, we're, we're a few days out from yeah. payday. Yeah, I was, like, oh, I took even a then risk. It's like, I took I'll, a risk with it. I'll go, I'll go down to single digits in my I'll bank account. Hungry, I don't care. No. We're about to get paid in a couple of days. No big deal. Uh, Someone who did get paid, though. 
last offseason, Jimmy Garoppolo. You like that transition? It was mostly your face, which I feel like the radio audience isn't privy to, but it was laughing. (laughs) Someone who did get paid. Very Broadcaster It was a very sincere and serious look on your face. It was. Uh, But someone who got paid, Jimmy Garoppolo, he got paid 137 million times over. He's made 42 million in the last year and a half. That's... A lot more than me. That's about $42 million more than I've made <laughs> over the last year and a half. Uh, but he is he's trying to bounce back from that torn ACL that sidelined him for the majority of last season. And so many of the 49ers' hopes are being pinned on this guy to be the next great 49ers quarterback. The Steve Young, Joe Montana, Jeff Garcia – you know, even Colin Kaepernick, his first few years in the NFL. And now you've got Jimmy Garoppolo sort of next in line for them. But last night, one of six with an interception. This comes off of a practice in which he threw five consecutive interceptions. What's up with him? So let's find out in tonight's Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did he he say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Today on ESPN's Get Up, their morning show on the the TV side of things, Mike Tannenbaum, who's now an NFL analyst for them, former GM of the New York Jets, was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo coming off of a terrible performance he had in their Week 2 preseason game against the Denver Broncos. He goes one of six, throws an interception, and Tannenbaum talks about him coming back from his torn ACL and how that may not be the easiest way to come back for a quarterback. Recent history is not on their side. You look at Carson Wentz, you look at Tom Brady. When you're a quarterback coming off of an ACL... It takes a year to get back to where you were, and I know they're running out of time in San Francisco, so if I'm the 49ers, the best thing is Jim, Jimmy G is standing up today. I mean, that's the best that they can say that's right now? That's the best now? thing I can say for myself, honestly. Yeah, it's that I'm standing like anytime, up right. Yeah, when my boss wants to complain, I'm like, look, I'm here. I'm standing up. <laughs> like, you know what, what I mean? more, what more do you want from me? Okay, like... I'm breathing. I'm here... Get used to yeah, it. okay, like this is this is how it's going to be. Don't you feel like it's still a little bit too early even then to say and to give any kind of serious knock on him? Like if Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't been paid as much as he had in yeah. so few games, I don't think there we would wouldn't be, be having pro- this conversation. No. It would be like, well, there still might be something there, but he was out for a total of, I mean, Kyle Shanahan after the game said the whole offense couldn't get going and he would have like to be able to kind of keep them in and let him get another shot, but he just can't. He has to pull him, and you can't risk re-injuring your starting quarterback. You look at what the 49ers have done over the last couple of years in the offseason. They've been one of the busier teams in terms of acquisitions, in terms of getting veteran guys on the roster to re-jump this rebuild effort that they've had going for what ever since Jim Harbaugh left. I think we're on year four now. And, you know, they handed out big contracts to Jimmy G, Richard Sherman, also D Ford on the defensive mm-hmm. line, uh, Quan Alexander as well in, in the linebacking group. And I think they tried to get it going a lot quicker than just, you know, investing in their early round draft picks and, and building up a core like that. I mean, you pay Jimmy Garoppolo franchise quarterback money, you're hoping to get more production out of him than what he's shown. And Bill Barnwell, who tweeted this out uh, at the end of last season, comparing 
the career numbers that Jimmy Garoppolo has put up to that of Nick Mullins, who replaced him at the end of last season when he went down for an injury, their numbers are eerily similar. You look at their completion percentage. Garoppolo, 64.8. Nick Mullins, 64.2. Yards, almost the exact same. Jimmy Garoppolo's thrown for one more yard in his career. Garoppolo's got 12 touchdowns. Mullins got 13. Quarterback rating, 94.1 for Garoppolo, 90.8 for Nick Mullins. And yards per attempt, 8.5 for Garoppolo, 8.3 for Mullins. They are about as statistically similar as any two quarterbacks can be. And Nick Mullins is an undrafted quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo getting paid this kind of money. Right. If you're the 49ers, you look at it and say, well, on one hand, Mullins has outperformed what he was originally thought to be, an undrafted free agent. But on the same side, you've got Garoppolo playing way under what his contract says he should Mm be. Yeah, and again, I still think it's early. I think this is going to sound like a cop-out. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is as bad as many Seahawks fans would really hope he is after this performance. I think it's a bad outing, a very limited outing, his first start back from his ACL injury. Um, I'm not convinced still that he is this like second coming of Tom Brady, which is kind of what he was pitched as, and I think what he benefited from is being a Bill Belichick quarterback, one that Bill Belichick, the uh, best coach, probably in NFL history, I don't know who would disagree with me, seemed pretty hesitant to part ways with. And when he did part ways with him, sent him to another division on another coast, got him as far away as he possibly could. And it might have been that San Francisco was the only team willing to part with, uh, what was it, a second rounder for Jimmy Garoppolo. But, yeah, I, you know, I think, too, he's benefited from people saying he can be the type of quarterback that that Tom Brady kind of guy can be. Like, it's it's a... It sounds like a mean thing to say, but like he has benefited from essentially being like a Tom Brady carbon copy in San Francisco where they can say, we want this guy to be our franchise quarterback. Um, that said, I clearly they saw enough in him. Clearly Belichick saw enough in him. Uh, fans have only seen these six pass attempts in one preseason game and a very limited outing uh, the year prior before his injury. So, you know, who are we to say, like, he just doesn't have it? I mean, imagine if you saw, maybe not Russell Wilson, but, you know, any other quarterback through seven total appearances, and then you were told to kind of gauge whether or not he'd be a franchise quarterback. I'm sure a franchise that's around him in practice sees enough of him, has seen enough tape on him to feel like he could be that guy. Getting back to what Mike Tannenbaum had to say about quarterbacks who tear their ACL having a tough recovery, mm-hmm. he brings up Carson Wentz, who's the most recent quarterback to have undergone something like that. He was an MVP candidate in 2017 yeah. when the Eagles eventually won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles at starting quarterback. But last year, 2018, he wasn't the same MVP candidate that he was a year ago. And I think it was him just trying to get over that mindset of like, okay, I can I can still do what I do with my legs. I just got to be a little more cognizant. Well, imagine going the on. pressure of thinking like, if I tear my ACL again, which I'm afraid of doing, I'm done. Like there's Robert an out Griffin in my III. contract. Exactly. Uh, that happened with him. And you uh, aren't established enough. If Russell Wilson, you know, knock on wood for Seahawks fans, injured himself, if he doesn't come back right away, the Seahawks aren't thinking like, oh, done. He's shown enough. That, that there's a little bit of stability there. With a guy that's unproven, you're... I mean, how nerve-wracking would that be? It would be just... It, it would be crippling in a way. I mean, Kyler Murray, right now, he also is struggling. It's interesting how a lot of people 
early on have picked the Cardinals and 49ers to be two teams that outplay their record in, in 2018. But you look at the question marks that those two franchises have right now. They're question marks at the most important spots on a football team, mm-hmm. quarterback and head coach. Kyle Shanahan, this is what, year three for him? He's won, what, five games? That's the most he's won as a coach in the NFL. And yeah, last year dealt with a ton of injuries on the 49ers. But, like, what has he shown in those two years that makes you wonder, like, oh, when this team's healthy, watch out. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not well, as afraid of Well, and there are 49ers. coaches that were able to – I mean, Sean McVay won Coach of the Year for that reason. Yeah. Being able to turn a team around in a single season, it's incredibly hard to do. Yes. And he had a franchise – he had franchise players there, running back, quarterback, obviously defensive tackle. But, you know, that said, it's – it's not like coaches have done, haven't done more with less. Yeah. I mean, you just look at how the Seahawks have it, and I still feel like they have the best quarterback head coach uh, situation. In the division? Of, in the division, yes. Yeah. And, I mean... To, Sean McVay's great, but I don't think you could argue that Jared Goff is on the same, if, no. of the same caliber as Russell Wilson. No. Goff can win you games. He can win you... Ten, you know, he can get you a double-digit win total... But he's not somebody who I'm going to hitch my wagon to and say, go out there, throw it 50 times. Well, and the only combination to have won a Super Bowl. Yes. And to have gotten back to another. Yeah. So I think uh, the Seahawks have it made in the shade with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Certainly. I mean, they certainly have the advantage there. I think that there is plenty of fear with the unknown, but there's also a lot of intrigue. And I think that the national narrative of Seattle is still that they're kind of an older team uh, on the on the downfall, even though they have one of the younger rosters. I mean, they have a ton of first, second, third year players on this team. Um, so it, it's interesting the way that that narrative spins. But I mean, again, I think that's a lot of what it is with the 49ers. This is this is exactly the narrative. This is the same conversation we were having a year ago. It which is. was the 49ers and Cardinals are going to come out and surprise everyone with their uh, new quarterback. Yeah, because they had Josh Rosen in the new thing. Exactly. And the 49ers have Richard Sherman and all these new free agents, and they have Jimmy Garoppolo and what's going to happen. And I'm not saying the same thing will happen. I don't expect both teams to have the catastrophic years they did last year. But again, it's just kind of like it's, Show the, same, it's the same narrative until one of the teams changes it. Yeah, Seattle is going to be a team on the downfall until they get to a deep enough part in the playoffs where it changes that narrative because no one else is going to change their mind about you. They've already decided what they think about your team. That's Seahawks insider Stacey Ross. I'm Curtis Rogers. And we I'm going to yeah, go get another go. mango water during there you the break. Go. You've earned it, Stacey. <laughs> Firing me up. Coming up next, your text questions. Ask us anything right here. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Your time to text us right now to the Coors Light text line 710-710. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Rost here with you for a couple more moments. Uh, something we didn't get to in the timeline that I feel like should be noted is that uh, Justice Sheffield will be up with the Mariners this week, uh, he is their scheduled starter on Friday night at T-Mobile Park. Felix scheduled starter on Saturday. Uh, so, I mean, if you're going out to T-Mobile Park this weekend against the Blue Jays, you've got some interesting uh, interesting guys to be watching out there on the mound. Justice Sheffield, obviously, 
acquired in the James Paxton trade. So he gets uh, his second opportunity up at the big leagues. He had a, a start earlier this season, didn't go so hot. But great to see him bounce back this uh, this season in Double A. So I'm excited for that, and I think that's good news coming up here this weekend. But uh, we need your text questions to the Coors Light text line seven ten seven ten. Stacy, what are you seeing out there? Curtis, what TV show has your favorite intro from the two five three? Well, I think Fresh Prince of Bel Air, certainly oh, the classic. That's a good one. I was trying to run through my mind of. What I, I, I immediately thought, I think because maybe it's a process of elimination thing we all do, I immediately thought of TV intros I don't like. Mm. True Blood was one of them because it was just gross. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are a lot of long ones that I feel it could be significantly shorter. Stranger Things kind of scares me. Friday Night Lights with the uh, just yeah. the explosions in the sky playing, oh, and they have the good, dramatic scenes yep. where everybody's got a yep. smoldering look on their face. Oh, that's, that's a great intro as well. It's a really good one. Um. What is a weird food combination you like? Weird food combination that I like. Now, there are some weird ones out there that I've I've heard from people that just that it it just does not sit well with me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't people will text in and hate on me for this, but I don't like it when people dunk their fries into like a milkshake. I can't get behind that. You know, it's not disrespectful to me, um, but it's not something I've tried it. It's okay. I get it. It's not how I prefer to eat those two foods. Yeah. Like, they're so good on their own. Yeah. Keep it that way. You know what I really don't like is a Seattle dog, cream cheese on a hot dog. You don't like that. No, because you have two things that are essentially the same texture that you're eating together, and that's disgusting. Your entire food is soft. The, the whole thing is soft. You have no texture. There's no crunch to it? No. What if you put grilled onions on it? Maybe. It needs it needs that a little bit because I like uh, like sushi with cream cheese. Delicious. But usually mm-hmm. it has some other stuff on there. You know yeah, there's I mean? like a onion Yeah, you have tempura, strand. some yeah. cucumber. Yeah, I don't like a Seattle dog. I'm not a fan of that. Weird food combinations that I like, though. That's Things that you like. Not See, you're doing the thing that I do, which is I immediately think of what I don't, don't like. Don't like, yeah. Things that I like. Uh, as a kid, I would dunk like potato chips and ketchup. Gross. Uh, grilled cheese and ketchup. Do you like ketchup on mac and cheese? No. Yeah, that's disgusting. See, as a kid, loved ketchup, put it on like just about everything. As an adult, I don't put ketchup on hardly anything anymore. My sister loves ketchup. My stepdad got uh, a very expensive piece of meat, uh, like a prime rib or something, for Christmas once. Oh, no. And she put and ketchup it to on the it. Table, and she was like, can you pass the ketchup? I've uh, never seen him look more offended in my entire life. Uh, like, yeah. he looked bothered um Curtis, what's a skill you had as a child but lost as an adult uh i it's not a skill but i i could run fast as a kid i was a fast oh, I runner loved, yeah i would say just activity yeah i loved running everywhere climbing trees now it's like this morning i brought oatmeal in and all i had in the office was a plastic fork the kitchen is down the hall not up or downstairs down the hall and, <laughs> and i was you're like, just like but i eat oatmeal with a fork yes guess i'm eating it with a fork today <laughs> this is how i'm eating my breakfast uh, uh yeah. mine would probably be uh just no concept of death <laughs> Yeah, just like <laughs> yeah. invincibility. Well, that's the thing. I wasn't afraid of anything because you weren't fearful of dying. Yeah, like you don't now, think about it. Yeah, now I have a fear of... Now you get like a random like headache like and you're like, is yes. this an aneurysm? Yes. Is this what takes me yep, down? Yep, and when you're a kid, nothing bothers you. Nothing in the yeah. world. You can fly anywhere. I could go in a like a rickety plane and I'd be like, it's fun. It's a fun adventure instead of like, <laughs> I'm too young for this. 
Um, what's the most financially irresponsible food decision you've made? Speaking of earlier, financially irresponsible, I'm probably like Uber Eats, yeah. where you're ordering like Taco Bell or like just random fast food plus the delivery fees. And you got to throw in a tip in there. See, whereas your like ten dollar Taco Bell order comes out to like twenty five dollars. Exactly, that's financially irresponsible. But we've but all I've done, done it. it. We've yeah. all done it. I'm going to say two things. One is um, before Uber Eats was a thing, Eat Twenty Four was what I used a lot, and they have a delivery minimum for a lot of places. Eat Twenty Four is that like the friendster of exactly. delivery services? Yes, it's the MySpace. Oh of, man! Um, and so they used like to top have, eight restaurants. They used to have like a thirty dollar minimum for certain Whoa. things. So there was like a sushi that had a $30 minimum and one night I, I'm by myself and I really wanted it so I got like $40 worth of sushi it was stupid it was a <laughs> dumb thing to do and immediately after you're full after 10 minutes and you're like what did I I just I threw $50 away and would you do it again yes absolutely in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. absolutely I, I I feel like on food it's okay to just go wild sometimes. You don't realize that's what you're doing. Like I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't walk into a store if they were like, it's a thirty dollar minimum. I'd be like, Pfft. yeah, oh, okay, okay, uh, sure. Yeah, here's zero dollars. Hopefully that covers your thirty dollar minimum. Got him. Yeah, but uh, when it's food, I'm not going though, inside. And it's not groceries. It's not anything. <laughs> it's just. Oh, another one would be. Um, this was Uber Eats, but sometimes Subway pops up on there. Yeah. Like you'll get McDonald's or Subway or Starbucks, and what should be $5 turns into 20 Yeah. And you ju- it's just your normal order. Yeah. And, it's and like, you spend three times what it's worth, and it's stupid, but it, we've all done it. It is. And we're going to do it again. And we're going to do Seattle Sports at night tomorrow again. Uh, we'll be on after the Mariners. Actually, we will be on after Danny Dave and Moore because the Mariners play early tomorrow. There we go. Yeah, it'll be all three of us. So on I mean, a regular, yeah, time. regular three man weave starting at seven p.m. tomorrow. So don't want to miss that. For Seahawks insider Stacy Rost, I'm Curtis Rogers. This has been Seattle Sports Tonight on seven ten ESPN Seattle.